This is the Power Your Edge podcast, where we share with you the voices of creatives. You will learn, grow, and laugh with us as we hear from people who are the same as us, their journey, their tools, their gems, and their wisdom, coming together to power your edge. And now, here is your host, Malky Skolnick, founder at The Bold Edge, digital course creator, email marketing magician, app junkie, and systems fanatic. Welcome to another edition of the Power Your Edge podcast. Today, we have with us Charna Ambers, who is the owner and creative director of CB Design NY. After working in design for six years, Charna struck out on her own nine years ago, starting CB Design NY, an upscale brand and marketing boutique design firm catering to hospitality and healthcare facilities. Charna's consistency, artistic talent, and detail-oriented nature have given her the ability to create comprehensive brand systems, stunning marketing pieces, and custom-crafted websites that have wowed her select group of clients. So we're going to jump right in. And I want to ask you something. I'm always curious where a person has started from and where they are right now and how that journey has evolved. Sure. So thank you, Malky, for having me. I was artistic growing up. So I guess that's definitely where my design passion started. After school, got married. I worked in a family business. It was supposed to be for branded marketing design. Didn't actually pan out. So when they moved a few years later, and simultaneously, my baby got fired from her babysitter for not taking pacifiers. (laughs) So I took that as an opportunity to go out on my own, took a design course properly, and officially created my business. So that's definitely where I started out. So we offer upscale branded marketing design for healthcare and real estate companies. It's really for any company looking to take their branding and marketing to the next level through upscale design. So it's everything starting from the visual brand, the logo, the marketing material, the website, and we're really focused on creating something that will help them stand out in their industry. So what does that mean you offer upscale design? How does that help me out? Basically when a company is starting out or they're rebranding and they need to change directions, they need something to tell the world how they're different, what makes them unique and why you should use them. So people automatically look at their brands, their visual brands, obviously it's strategy based and data driven, but people do look at the logo. They look at the marketing material and they'll definitely look at their website. And if it's not up to date and professional, or if it doesn't look appropriate for the brand, people will not trust them. They'll lose credibility. Everyone within their space, especially in the healthcare world where there's so much of the same, so many people copying each other. And they're all really doing the same things. So you really have to make sure that each and every specific client stands out within their space, within their industry. People immediately understand how they're different, how they can help their family members, whether it's a nursing home, assisted living, anything like that, or even in real estate and hospitality, you want to find a place that has your trust, that offers credibility and authority in the space and somebody that you feel confident in that they're taking their professional brand seriously, they'll take your customer service and your customer experience seriously too. I presume you didn't start off designing for healthcare. You decided along the way that this is something that I wanted to specialize in. This was your niche. What made you decide that this is what you would like to focus on? What got you excited about it? Why did you decide that this is it? It actually found me when I first started out way back when, a lot of years ago, I worked for 
a lot of different kinds of clients. And my first two very large clients were in the healthcare industry was one. The other one actually was completely different. The other one was in the educational industry. It was variety. They were my first couple of clients and I worked for each of them very full time. I was putting in 14 hour days, 60 hour weeks. I actually had to hire help just to keep up with the flow. And while I was working for this healthcare company, which was actually a marketing company, I was doing all their designs, servicing all their clients. And a few years in, I'm thinking that this is really my niche. I became known in the healthcare space. Our very modern, clean style works very well for healthcare. Healthcare 10, 20 years ago had a lot of cluttered, outdated, very unprofessional design material, whether it was their brands or marketing materials, their websites. And they really need something different to help them stand out. And our very modern, clean style helped them do just that. So I definitely became known in the healthcare space. And I was also building myself on up on the side, taking my own clients in the healthcare space, some other industries as well. But that's basically when I realized that was my niche. So two questions I was thinking about as you were telling me, you mentioned that you were working with this company, that there was an overload of work that you were doing so many different types. And I'm just curious, especially for designers that are just starting out, yeah. what are the different types of projects that a person could be involved specifically within the healthcare space? A lot of branding, a lot of marketing. They might have admissions packages. They might have welcome packets for the residents. They might have staff manuals, things like that. And then there's also just the basics. You know, the business cards, the stationery, the trifolds. Everyone's doing trifolds in the medical space because they want to fit into those plastic medical holders in the hospital. So right. a lot of people do trifolds. If they want to stand out, they do something more interesting, like a square trifold. There's a lot of brochures. The marketers are going to the hospitals, to the medical centers, trying to get more residents in their buildings. And they really need those marketing materials to really tell this story in a few seconds or less. And then it's also a lot of webs. So websites were actually not as popular when I first started doing this. I remember doing my very first website, not knowing anything about <laughs> it. And we built as we went along, of course, now we do very much more upscale and sophisticated websites, but that was also another means of communication for the healthcare space and the healthcare clients. I think it is a lot of material. Part of what's interesting about it and part of where expertise is needed is anyone can create a website and anyone can create a brochure, but it's taking a lot of material and consolidating it and making it look beautiful and easy to read that people should right away immediately see what they need and get the information they need in an easy to read flow. Exactly. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I remember years ago when I was designing a website, this was for a real estate company and they had a website that was 15, 20 pages and the satisfaction of being able to take those 15, 20 pages and consolidate them into two, three pages. Of course, it also helps when you have a web developer that will be able to be able to put into action whatever interesting creative ideas you have. You right. say, oh, I have this idea of maybe you click here and I'll scroll down. Now it's like, we know that it's an accordion kind of feature, but years back, it wasn't a standard kind of feature that you clicked right. here and in the bottom replaced with something else. So you didn't have to go to another page. So it was the fact of thinking in such terms, like you said, people shouldn't have to click so many times. People should be able to get things quickly and easily. Exactly. Having things be very complex doesn't make it a better item. Like you said, no. with the design, if we put more stuff within a design, it doesn't make it better. Less is always more. When it comes to design, I'm a huge believer in that. Everything should have a flow. Everything should have symmetry and everything should work. Design has to work. And it really is the difference between somebody clicking on your website or leaving or clicking on an ad or versus not. That really makes the difference whether people understand it subconsciously or not.
So just to go on with your journey. So as you were going along the way, different things came up and some things were good and some things maybe, well, were actually good, but they didn't feel so good at the moment. <laughs> Could you tell us about some roadblocks that you've gotten to and things that maybe were in your way and how you were able to solve issues that may have come up along your journey? Sure. A couple of things come to mind. A small thing like attention to detail. I'm a perfectionist and attention to detail is a huge part of what I do and a huge part of what I look for in my staff. And at a certain point, you realize that we're the only ones that care about some of these small details. <laughs> the clients will absolutely never know that we spent an extra 15 hours fixing a small curve in the logo. So there are certain aspects to it that I will do anyway. And even if it's on my time, the client will never in a million years know. But then you also learn that business has to move forward. And if it's not going to make you money and the client's not going to know, and it really doesn't make a difference. So there are certain times where you just have to let go. That's definitely something that I had to learn along the way. Another thing that comes to mind is finding the right types of clients. Everyone needs a logo and everyone needs a website, but find the right clients that will really appreciate a higher level of expertise, compensate properly for it, trust you, work with your process, be happy with the results and really work with you. That was definitely something that had to evolve with our processes, with our whole pricing structure that came a little bit later when I had a business coach and learning how to deal with clients, learning how to qualify them, learning how to navigate looking for the right clients and actually knowing what I was looking for and what we're good at and focusing on that and honing down on that. That was definitely a huge turning point for my business. Could you lead us through a little bit what your process is? Meaning if somebody contacts you, what would be the process? I actually sent a pricing guide off the bat. I know some people shudder. <laughs> it's the best thing to do ever. It saves a huge headache on both ends. When people say, could you just jump on a call? What's to inquire about your services or how much is a logo or how much is whatever. I don't speak to them until I know that they've reviewed my packages. They've seen my samples. I'll send them an intro email with, of course, a beautifully designed pricing guide, which includes all our packages broken down for them and some samples, whether it's website samples, logo samples, whatever it is, and a little bit of an intro about what we do, who we serve and what we can do for them. So that when we get in a call, we're all on the same page. It's not, oh, I thought your budget was lower. I thought your budget was higher. And they're on board with what we do so that by the time we have that call, the next step is usually we want a proposal or we're not a right fit, but we know that right away. Instead of wasting all that time speaking to people who would never be the right fit and focusing on the ones that would be, that's been a huge time saver. And of course, once we have that call, we'll put together a proposal based on their needs. We have standard packages, then we offer custom packages if it falls beyond that. And we try not to do the custom without nailing down their specifics under, we call it a custom paid proposal where we'll charge an hourly fee or a certain flat rate that covers the extra research needed to cover that custom scope. So it's not just endless proposals, figuring out pricing. We have our standard pricing. We offer that very easily. If it's something custom, the client usually understands. If they're committed and they're serious about their project, they want you to research it properly. That's obviously going to take time and money and earned as well. I think that's excellent, actually. And this is something that I truly believe in as well. The worst thing is, is that custom proposal kind of thing. Yeah. And I think a person goes through some time that they are spending time without getting paid. Right. Hours and hours of putting together that proposal only to be told, oh, whatever. Or actually not even to hear anything. That's, yeah. I think that's the worst part. You just don't hear anything. You spend so much time and effort and, yeah. and resources. And I think that's fabulous. And I think that if they value who you are and what you bring to the table and your expertise, 
they even will have a roadmap and then leave will know like what they need. Have you ever had people that take your custom proposal and then decide to go elsewhere? We have never had that be <laughs> If they did, I wouldn't mind. And I tell them this is a valuable document for you. Even if you don't end up using me, it's something you'll need. You can take it elsewhere and you'll have a total roadmap of your project scope, but it does take care of all those 20 hour proposals that never pan out or the people who just go MIA after researching because those people, they're not committed and they're not serious about it. And to invest all that time into their project, it just wouldn't be a fit for you or them. So it definitely helps that direction. So in your process, do you use any technology or any software apps to help guide you along or to keep track of things? What's your take? Like pen and paper? No, not pen and paper. <laughs> I would have 500 million papers on my desk. We use such a variety. We use Asana, Toggle, Toggle's for time tracking, Asana's for project management. We obviously use email. I try to be very organizing my emails, folders and tags. Boomerang has been phenomenal. That tells your emails when to come back so that you're not worrying about hundred emails at the same time. Obviously we use the Adobe programs. We use Loom for videos. Now there's Vidyard. I use Square for invoicing. There's definitely an app for everything <laughs> part of our workflow. I recently actually hired an admin and I was walking her through our onboarding process and she was actually surprised at how much of the back end <laughs> is involved in the design and the creative business. There's a lot to manage, a lot to keep organized, but it's part of the game. Right. Definitely. I know for myself personally, having those Google Docs or having those processes written down with be it videos or be it step-by-step -step instructions, it just takes it also off of your head because otherwise the more things you have to keep in your head, I think creativity just doesn't have room then. Right. It, it clutters up your head. It, yeah. it just clutters <laughs> it up. I know. I feel like sometimes I just take a piece of paper or take a Google doc and just get everything out there and then decide what needs to get done with it, but it's exactly. got to get out. So let's go on to clients. What have you found is your most favorite way of finding new clients and maintaining them? So actually, I think it's been pretty much the same from the beginning. I would say LinkedIn is a huge part of it. Finding clients on LinkedIn, clients finding me on LinkedIn, people referring me from seeing me on LinkedIn. That's been a huge part of it from day one. Actually, that first big healthcare client from eight years ago was from LinkedIn. So <laughs> you've seen some of my work, you reach out. It was way back before everybody was posting. It was very different then. And of course, referrals and word of mouth. That's pretty much how it's been from the beginning. Do you have any interesting client stories that you could share with us? Especially the newbies love to know. Okay, so what is it like dealing with a client? What is it like? Oh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> you have the best and the worst and then you learn. So we actually had a client for a few years. We worked really well together. We did a lot of their materials. They have a bunch of different facilities. It's in the healthcare space. We did their, their branding, their brochures, all their marketing materials, some web design work. And a couple of years later, they just decided to take a different direction and they left us and they went to a different company. And this was after working together for quite a while. So we really knew all the ins and outs of their company. We knew them better than they knew themselves. We almost knew what they needed before they would ask for it. So when they left, it was sad, but I loved them as a client and I, I felt like we were family. So I figured if this was the next step for them, then I hope they're successful. Surprisingly, they showed up back at my door a year later and practically begged us to take them back. They said it was a mistake leaving. And it was interesting. They really missed our processes, our level of attention to detail, 
our hands-on boutique experience. We're very hands-on. You don't have to wait for your turn and you don't have to sit at a board meeting with 12 people who don't know your name. On the face of my business, I speak directly to my clients. My team will speak to them if necessary. Everything is very straightforward, very clear, and very specific. And we only take on a certain number of clients at a time, so we can really focus on each one. So they really miss that level of customer service. They miss our processes. They knew what to expect and when. They knew when the projects would be completed. And of course, it was nice to hear that they miss our design style too. It's not just something you could pull off a stock website, and it's not just something that everyone else is doing. Everything we do is very, very specific, custom tailored to our clients' needs and with a very modern, fresh, sophisticated touch to make them stand out and give them that unique identity. That was nice when they came back and told us all those things that they missed about us. (laughs) That was definitely interesting. Going on that, you said that you're the face of the company. Have you ever worked with contractors? And when you have, what has worked well for you to give over your vision the best possible way so this way they fully understand what you're getting at And that this way they could translate your vision into action because it's like impossible to do everything. So you got to farm things out. How do you make sure it works well for you? For starters, it's really about getting the best in their fields, each part of the project. All the contractors I use, I try to find the best, whether it's the best designers, the best developer, the best copywriters, the best creative for whatever is needed for the project. And then really communication is key, being super clear about my expectations, understanding from them what their expectations and process is, and making sure that we're constantly communicating on the project. I've seen that is extremely successful on both ends. When things are left up for each one to figure out, it just doesn't go, you can't read minds. And you have to be just super clear about each one's process, how you work together. And that usually ensures the success of the project when everyone is a partner and really on board with the vision. So this is a question I actually wanted to ask you way before, and I should have, but I want to make sure I don't leave it out. So something that I know about you, something that I see on LinkedIn is that you're extremely passionate about branding. What I like about when I interview people is also for beginner designers to expose them to the whys and the hows and why things are important. Why do you feel that branding is so important? Okay, so branding is so important because it's the first impression people have of you. Design is supposed to work. Now I know there's a lot to branding, there's strategy also, and design has to be based on strategy. But once you have that strategy and the execution of design, it has to work. It has to give over the right message. It has to give over the brand's professional image clearly and concisely. Um, A brand, a logo is not meant to be a story. I say it's not meant to be a wall art. You don't need to hang it up. It's not pretty. Of course, you want it to be beautiful. You want it to be easy in the eyes and aesthetically pleasing. But at the end of the day, it has to relate to your brand. It has to reflect your professional image. And when a brand design works, it tells the right, it tells the right story, gives over the right impression. And when it doesn't work, it creates confusion, it's convoluted. So branding and design in general is so important to be done. Good design works, good design tells a story and good design helps you propel you forward. When something isn't done well, people look the other way, people look for something better. Let's say a person sees a logo and a person starting on a design, it looks pretty. But the question is when a person presents a logo to a client, I'm just curious, this is my curiosity sort of playing out here. 
Have you ever been in a situation where a designer will interpret the logo, which looks pretty, according to the story that makes sense to be told in this situation? They'll make up the story that sounds good in this situation. And so it sounds good to the client and the client is sold on what the design looks like. In terms of you're saying that the client actually believes in the story. Right. So what happens is somebody will design a nice logo and it looks pretty and everything. And then there's the fact of like, you meet with the client and then you tell them a story. Of course, there's research that's done and whatever. And I presume that the logo is created according to, you know, circles mean certain things and different shapes have certain kind of meanings. And based on that, we create a logo. But at the end of the day, is there sometimes a story that's then connected to the logo after the fact? It's a very good question. It's more about the beginning, less about the after. As you work through those many hours of research and development and you narrow down options and you perfect those couple options to show the client, it's really focused on the attributes that the client gave you about their business to begin with. So it's, it's not about making up story at the end. Oh, that could work well for whatever. <laughs> it's more about tying into the, the professional brands core values, their vision, the attributes that they associate with their brand. The logo should reflect that. Again, it's not a story in terms of you don't need to see steps. I saw a logo recently. Somebody showed me it literally incorporated like three different steps to their process. That's not a logo. That's just an illustration that doesn't work. That's not a brand. That's not a symbol of their brand, but it does have to incorporate their core values, their, the attributes that they associate with their brand, whether it's very professional, more upscale, prestigious, not prestigious. It should reflect those core values so that it's appropriate for their brand and also gives them credibility in the industry. So it is about bringing in the original brand attributes and how they've you their brand and how they associate with their brand. But at the end of the day, it's executing something that reflects that whether you understand the story or not, and also helps you understand where that brand is heading and and the direction the brand is going to. So do you find that it would be helpful for a person that when they're presenting the logo to point out those attributes, how we tie that into this design? A million percent. Yeah. We always highlight that for the clients. We use these colors because of a specific reason. We use these shapes or we use this curve even, or we have space here to indicate something. Even if somebody else won't recognize it. I once had someone say to me, we're not going to go explain everything to our clients. And we're not going to go explain the logo to our users. Of course not, but it has to be something that you associate with your brand and that resonates with you. And it'll resonate with your target audience comes into that. He likes, she likes scenario. You have to associate and connect with your brand, but more than that, you have to have it resonate with your target audience and they have to connect to it on that brand level. I'm wondering also the brand owner, if it resonates with them a lot, if they own it, they are able to reflect that ownership back to their target market. Exactly. And then it goes the other way too. Unfortunately, there are really bad logos out there and very bad design. And they do connect with that. I think what's very interesting, you have some companies that have not good design, but they are so confident in what they offer. People buy from them because they own whatever their design is and whatever product they sell. There's a certain confidence in what they do. So whatever they put out there, like their target audience could not care less. So I think it's, you got to own it. The client has to be convinced that this is the right fit for them. They have to feel it. 
they have to feel it. They have to connect with it. They definitely have to own it, but then they also have to understand a certain piece of it does have to connect with their targeted audience in a way that their brand should. If it's too professional or too upscale or too much in one direction, and it doesn't reflect their target audience, it's not going to properly convey their professional image. Right. So two questions on that. Number one, how do you make sure that, or do you test it out to make sure that it's going to resonate with their target audience? This specific image, I know that the verbiage you do, you have voice of consumer and you do your research and all that, but we're talking about the actual visual itself. That's number one. And I think that's it. It was only number one. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a great one question. So basically there is no foolproof way to test a logo, right? You're not going to go put it out there and get feedback. That's just not going to work. You're going to have a lot of people. You're going to have a lot of people not like it. Liking and not liking is not a measure of success when it comes to branding. It has to be really the brand speaking up for itself and the brand saying if it works or not. And that goes back to all that research. Is it appropriate for the industry? Is it appropriate for their brand? What's the competition look like? What is the competition doing? What are the industry trends and industry standards? And all those pieces have to answer their professional image. If you check off all those boxes, then it should work. And that's not to say that there's only one solution, but that is a solution that does work. But if it answers all the boxes and someone doesn't like it, that's not going to be a measure of success. It's not going to decide if the logo is going to work or not. So sometimes it's time will tell. It's time will tell, but it's also comes back to expertise and knowing enough of what's out there. We created brands so many years ago, they're still timeless and they're still working. A brand has to be timeless. A brand has to work for the industry and withstand the test of time. It's not something that goes out of style. Like I had someone say to me recently, he didn't want a certain layout or something in a logo because everyone else is doing it. It might go out of style. It's a symbol of your brand and it has to withstand the test of time. It has to be timeless. So that brings me to my next thing. Final point is how do you keep track of trends? Or in your case, it seems that trends, does it actually play an impact on how you're designing? If you mentioned you want to have something that is timeless and not trend related, how do you keep track? And is it something that you need to? So you definitely need to keep track of trends. You don't want to make something too specific to today's trends because tomorrow it will be out of style, but you want to understand the trends so that it looks professional and that it looks modern, sophisticated. How do we keep track? Always paying attention to what's out there. Let everything seep in every single place you are, whether you're in a bookstore, you're on a website, you're leaping through a magazine, everything has design, just absorbing and absorbing what's out there. Of course, every project you need to do a very comprehensive amount of research before you start the project to see the latest that's out there. But daily, there's so much inspiration out there and there's so much to learn from. So keeping up with the trends is just all about opening your eyes, letting everything seep in, learning what works and what doesn't work and seeing what other people are doing as well. Okay. Thank you so much, Sharna, for sharing with us your immense knowledge and your excitement about branding definitely has seeped in. And it's something that I'm sure everybody listening will be able to learn from. Thank you, Malcolm, for having me.